Amen. Church, I want to tell you, when you see a video like that, it's easy just to look at it and see faces and um, think, well, that's great. But can I tell you, behind every face that you just saw, there's a story of God's miraculous grace. There's a testimony of salvation. There's hurt. There's wonderful blessings. There's all kinds of things that could be said to the glory of God in your lives. Where there wasn't a church, there is now one. And I'm thankful for that. Good morning. I, I do want to thank Pastor Moon again for the opportunity to be here and to preach. And uh, I'm just thankful for what the Lord's doing. It's really just the beginning. And uh, I'm thankful for what he's doing there in Argentina and in, in the southern zone of Buenos Aires. And we want to see a lot more churches planted. Estimated somewhere around four to six million people live in the southern part of Buenos Aires, in the southern side of the city. That's where we are. We know of just a few uh, Bible preaching churches. Uh, there may be more, but we we can't find them. And so uh, there's a whole lot of opportunity. And so be praying for us and be praying for the ministry there. We're, we're glad to be here in the States and we're enjoying it, but we're looking forward to going back home. And that's home for us. And so be praying for us, please. I'm excited about the church here. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. You're going to be in Joshua chapter 6, though. Uh, the chili cook-off, the chili competition, that's something we do at our church. We would do um, some things. We would do best non-meat chili. I don't even understand what that means. But, um, you know, don't want to be judgmental, but what in the world? We would do hottest chili, and you've got to have something wrong with you if you want to try the hottest chili. That sounds like a bad idea. I have somebody in the back going, yeah, yeah. That's not for us. Uh, not for me anyway. I didn't I wouldn't try that. Man, there were some men in our church that would see they wanted to see if they could really ruin your taste bud. That was their goal. And so they would do just some some really uh, crazy stuff. And so we had judges and I was I made very clear I will not be eating that hottest chili. They all win. They all get the trophy as far as I'm concerned. And we'd have best chili doing things like that. It's a great thing. You got to love your church. I'm a product of my local church. My um tell you what happened we're not Baptists we weren't brought up Baptists but a young uh, a guy my dad was working with got saved and he'd come into work and he'd say my dad's name's Rick he'd say Rick you should have been there yesterday at church we had me and the choir sang this song it was beautiful you should have really been there and my dad was kind not interested but kind then he'd come back the next week and he'd say boy Rick you should have heard preacher you should have heard of me preach this message he preached it. it I'd never heard that story before Rick you ought to come down and hear this. And he'd, he'd say, well, okay, that's good, you know, and move on. Then the next week he'd come in. Boy, Rick, we had some guy, they call him an evangelist. And he came in and he preached, and it was amazing. We had like 14 people saved. It was the best time, Rick. You should have been there. And it wasn't long. Just keep on talking like that, excited about a church that I can remember clearly my dad coming home and saying, boys, we got to see what's going on down there. Can I tell you, you can do that. If you get excited about the church here, you get excited about what God's doing, I promise you, you and I both know, there's something we can complain about. We can find something, right? Boy, it's just we tithe, and it's just so cold in the church. You think they just could turn up the heat a little bit. It's just, just so cold. Or, boy, we why, why in the world does it have to be so hot in the church? We, you think we'd turn on the air. I don't know what's going on. Can you believe they painted the bathrooms that color? Boy, I can't, you know, pastor thanked 
Brother Jim and Brother John and Brother Jerry, but he didn't thank me, and I did something too. And we can always think of something to complain about, but can I tell you, we can also think about something and really dote on and meditate on the good things that God's doing here. And if you'll get excited and you'll tell other people about what the Lord's doing here, it may not be the next week that they come, but they'll want to know what's going on down here. They'll think, why does he keep on, why does she keep on talking about that place down there? And they'll want to see what's going on, and they'll get to experience it themselves. Get excited about your church. It's your family of faith. Amen? Hey, that's a good place to say amen. I mean, this is your family. Get excited about it, right? And you know what? Something else. I shouldn't bring this up, but one of the things my pastor always says at our church, everybody needs a job down at the house of God. You know what? It's not just a place to sit. It's a place to serve. And so get involved, jump in, be a part of it. If you see something that needs to be done, instead of saying, you know, uh, boy, I wish Pastor would do that, you ought to go up and say, Pastor, I'd like to do this. I can remember I was an assistant pastor. We had a man come in our, a man in our church, bless his heart. You know what that means, southern speak, right? You know what that means. And, that's, and I mean it, man, bless his heart. I can remember him coming and walking. There was some trash in the ground. He came by and walked by a piece of trash in the ground and said, um, there's, there's a piece of trash. And I humbly went over there, humbly on outward, went over there and got it. But inward, I was like, you jerk. You could have done that, but you had to go at somebody else, dig up the trash. If you see something that needs to be done, jump in. Say, man, I'm telling you, those bathrooms need to be cleaned. Give me the brush, and I'll clean it myself. Amen? That's a good thing. Oh, man, I saw some trash out there in the yard. I hope they get it up during the week. No! Get out there and pick it up. Let's take some ownership and make this our church. It's only as good as you are. The church is only as strong as you are. Get involved. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just love my home church, and I hope you love your home church too. Let's talk about this. You're going to be in Joshua chapter 6, I said, right? I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you know Hebrews chapter 11, if you've ever read much of the Bible, when you hear Hebrews chapter 11, you ought to think of what subject? Someone tell me. Faith. We call it the Hall of Faith. It's like you're going down this long corridor and you're looking at pictures of these really, you need to remember this, really ordinary men and women who did really amazing things. And how did they all do it? By faith. That's the key. By faith. Not by their abilities, not by what they had in their hands or what they could do. It was all by faith. Faith is the key. Now, I feel like I need to talk about this because I can remember going to church and there were church words that people would use and I really didn't know what they mean. I really didn't know what they meant. And so, like grace, someone would say, well, it's the grace of the Lord. And I'd be sitting there, a young man newly saved, and think, amen. And on the inside, I'd think, what in the world is grace? That's a, that's a word they throw around here all the time. I don't even know what that means. Faith. Boy, you went, we need faith. And I'd think, amen, if I knew what that was too. That's another one of those words that they just use all the time in the church, and I have no clue what it means. So just in case, I want to give you what is a basic, easy, simplistic, biblical definition of what faith is. When someone talks about faith, faith is believing God. More specifically, faith is believing God that what he said is what he's going to do. That's faith. So when does anybody remember the story of Noah? 
Noah, what did Noah do? God said, I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah believed God. Or had, he put his faith in God, right? Does that make sense? And he did something. Biblical faith is never just belief. Biblical faith is a belief that makes us do this. Please watch, church. It makes us do this. You ready? We step out. We do something. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, every single instance that was given except for one, one exception, every one of them is by faith someone did something. So let me ask you a question. Let's do a hypothetical. If Noah, when God said, I'm going to flood the earth, if, if Noah had that same faith and said, I believe God's going to flood the earth. I have the faith. I believe it. And he sat down and he didn't build the ark. What would have happened? You would not be here. I would not be here, right? It flood the earth. His faith was not just a, in James chapter 2 it tells us, it's a dead faith or a not real faith is really what it is. It's a faith that's not real. It's I believe, but I'm not going to do anything. That's not real. Biblical faith is I believe, and therefore I'm stepping out and I'm going to do something about it. Right? Now, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. You're in Joshua 6. I'm in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. It comes right out of the verse. The answer does. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 11 and verse, let's see here, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. You're not there. You're in Joshua 6, but I'm reading it. I'll read it again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now, here's the big question. It's not a trick question. How did the walls of Jericho fall down according to Hebrews chapter 11? By faith. That's it. By faith. That's exactly what it says. How many of you have ever read or know anything about the story of the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6? Can you raise your hand? Can you raise your hand? I just want to see. There's some of us do. There's some of that might not. That's okay if you don't. We're going to read it in just a minute. The story is that there was this big city. We're going to get into it in just a moment. And these walls were all around the city, and they were trying to get in to defeat the enemy, and they couldn't, and so they, the walls came down. Now, the thing is, if we could go back in time in a time machine today, and we could go back in time to the end of Joshua chapter 6. And the Hebrews had just taken down the, the walls, right? The walls had just come down. They had defeated the enemy. Everything's going great. And we could go up to a, uh, an Israelite and say, well, my friend, tell us how this all happened. What do you think they'd say? I think they'd say, man, you're not going to believe this. We were walking around the city once a day for six days. And then the seventh day, we walked around seven times. And then those, you see those priests over there? They were blowing the trumpets, and when they blew those trumpets, we just yelled, just like yelled really loud, and the walls came down. It was incredible. That would be their answer for what just happened. But they don't have what we have. We have something called a completed revelation. In other words, we have the Bible completed. They didn't have Hebrews chapter 11. They had no clue about any Hebrews chapter 11. We have it. And Hebrews chapter 11 actually tells us it wasn't the walking around that took the walls down. It wasn't the screaming bah! at the walls to get them to come down. That didn't make them come down. The walls came down by faith. That's the key, by faith. God commands us to live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. 
We cannot please our God if we don't have that biblical belief that what he said in his word he's going to do. We don't have that faith that makes us go, I believe him so much I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something about it. You believe people are going to go to hell if they don't know Jesus as Savior? You don't believe it if you don't do something about it. That's not a real faith. A real faith says, you know what, they need it. I'm going to go give it to them. Here's a track. You know what, they need to know about what Jesus did for them. I want them to know about it. Do you believe Jesus died for everybody? I'm sorry, I do. I, that's just a biblical concept there. And you know what, if he died for everybody, that means he died for the guy down the road. He needs to know about it. Well, I believe that, dear brother. Well, if we're not taking that step, that's not a biblical faith. We need biblical faith. You believe people need the gospel all around the world? That's all about that faith promise that Pastor was talking about. It. That means we need to take that step. We need to step out. We believe it. Let's step out. Let's put feet on our faith. Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to share with you the story real quick. Because I think it will help us understand this subject of faith. Joshua chapter 6. And first we're going to see the problem that they faced in verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. This is a great little story here. God tells Israel, listen, you're going to go into this land, and it's your land, but there's some wicked folks who live in the land. These people were so wicked, they were taking their babies and, and lighting a fire, their idols, with these, these brass idols, and they had their arms out like this, some of these brass idols. One of them was named Molech, and they would take that brass, they'd put fire under it, and it just glow. And then to the beat of a drum, they would take their babies and lay their babies on top of these idols' burning hands to sacrifice their children to these idols. These were not people who were saying, we want to live for God and we want to do right. These were people who were saying, we don't want anything to do with this God. We want our lowercase g gods. And we're going to sacrifice our children and anything and everyone else that we can. And unspeakable things were done in the name of their religion were evil and God said you're going into the land and you're going to conquer but listen I will be there and I will go before you and you will get the victory that's a promise so Israel says okay and this great nation comes into the country and they walk up and they come to their first place and there's a huge problem in verse 1 what does it say now Jericho was straightly shut up, closed up, because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The city was covered or surrounded by walls. And these walls, there was a gate in the wall, and they just, when they saw this great nation of people, remember, we're not talking about a group of people like the group that's in this church. We're not talking about a group of people with like 100 people or so. We're talking about a multitude of people you just can't hide. And they're all coming up to this big city, and so what does the city do? What any city would do with that type of uh, fortress-type way of things, they closed the gate so no one could get out and no one could come in. There's a big problem because God said, you will defeat the enemy. But how can you defeat an enemy you can't touch? You're going to beat them. But we can't even put a hand on them because they're on the inside of that wall. By the way, the wall that excavated the city, I think, in the 1800s, found out there were actually two walls around the city. If you've ever been to, um, what is that, the, the, the Castillo that's in, in St. Augustine, the little fortress thing they got there, 
that it, it doesn't look exactly like that, obviously, but they had those walls there where you have the, 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 the place in between the two walls. It was much like that. These walls were so thick that we find out that Rahab the harlot actually lived in or on the walls. So this wasn't a wall that was the size of this stair right here. This was big enough for someone to live on. These were big walls. It wasn't something that they could have just a chain link fence that they could have cut through and gotten in. This was a really big problem. You'll defeat them, but you can't even touch them. So that's the problem they faced. They were given a task that was literally impossible. Let's look at the plan they followed. I love this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall compass the city about, all ye men of war, excuse me, and go round about the city once, thus shalt thou do six days. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark uh, seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, uh, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. I love this passage. When we read the Bible, we like to make people super spiritual when we read it. And we think, well, Peter didn't have the struggles that we have. That's a lie. Peter had the same struggles we have. These folks in Israel had to act the same way we act and deal with things the same way we deal with and, and, and have the same doubts and worries and things like that that we have. So we're going to pretend we're Israel for just a moment. We're not. We're going to pretend we are. And we're going to pretend like Joshua gets in front of us. I want you to imagine how you would react if this is what happened. I kind of think of people and how we act in general, and here we have this promise. God says, you're going to take the city, and you got people who are trying to figure things out, right? you got just, they want to leave. And so they're looking at the city, and they're looking at the walls, they're trying to figure out things, and Joshua gets up in front of everybody and says, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, God's given me the plan. You ready? This is what we're going to do. We're going to walk. Huh? We're going to walk around that city. What do you think? Could you imagine what people are thinking? They're looking at every which way, and they hear, we're going to walk around the city. We're going to do it once a day, and we're going to do it for six days. But on that seventh day, boys, that's when God's going to give us the victory. And I can imagine, I can see people thinking, man, that's where it's going to really happen. We're going to be walking around looking for like little holes in the wall. Obviously, that's what we have to be doing. We're looking for something, trying to justify this horrible plan in their mind. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be looking for problems, going to be looking for something. There's a hole. There's a secret trap door. There's something that we're going to find during those six days. He says, now, no talking. You can't talk. And on that seventh day, that's when God's going to give us a victory. We're going to walk around seven times. Huh? And then this is where God's going to give us the victory, boys. Be ready. See those priests over there? They have those trumpets. When they blow those trumpets, oh, man, that's where it's going to happen. I mean, you're going to see something amazing. This is where God's going to give us the victory. When you see that, you get ready. Ready? This is what you're going to do. You're, you're going to yell really loud. That's a terrible idea. Am I not, I mean, am I the only, surely we all see this, right? It's a terrible idea. Could you imagine, if my wife was there, she'd be like, on that seventh day, you might want to call in sick, honey. This sounds like a really bad plan. It's not logical. 
I'll illustrate it because some people are like, now, Pastor, this is blasphemous. It's not. I'll tell you why. When I was, I was in Knoxville some years ago on dictation, we were going through Knoxville, Tennessee, and they were demolishing a building. Do you know how they weren't doing it? The construction workers were not walking around the building going, nah! trying to get the building to come down. Why? Because that would never work. It's a terrible plan. But can I tell you, it's not a terrible plan because it was God's plan. It was totally illogical. But can I tell you, God uses illogical plans in our lives so that thousands of years later, we stand in Gainesville, Florida, and we talk about this passage, and Joshua gets zero credit. No one is saying, boy, that Joshua, he was, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was a mighty general. No one's saying that. No one's giving the credit to the amazing Israeli army. Boy, they just really knew what they were doing. You know who gets 100% of the glory in this story? God does. God does. And you know what they did? They believed him. They believed God, and they did it. If they're like me, as they're walking, they're kind of feeling foolish. They're walking around, and they're kind of thinking, why am I doing this? Is this really going to work? Is this, is this going to happen? When they blew those trumpets with the ram's horn, I think, all right, I'm going to yell. I don't know. But their faith pushed them to take that step. Can I tell you what we need, church? We need men and women who will take that step and believe God doing things God's way. How are we going to get the gospel to folks who don't know Jesus? His way. Believe God. Pastor, things are tight. I know. But if we don't do something, they're going to go to hell. They're going to go to hell. How are we going to get the gospel to the people down the road? Pastor, they're not interested. I know. But if we don't give them the gospel, who will? If you don't invite them to church, who's going to invite them to church? How are they going to experience the family that we have here at this church? Luck? We need men and women who will step out by faith and say, I'll take it. I'll tell them. I'll invite them. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, born and raised. We have some friends here that are from the area where I went to school. Her, their, their daughter went to the same school I did. And uh, that's great. That just thrills my heart. Conversations I've had about that. Um, I can remember being a boy. Home Depot started in Atlanta. And I can remember being a little boy, and my dad would, was talking with some of his friends. And he was talking about, boy, if I knew. If I knew back then what I know now. It was in the early 90s. Home Depot had blown up. If I would have known back when it just started, I could have put the money in that, and I'd have had, and he had some kind of astronomical number of millions of dollars he would have had if he would have put that money in there. You've heard things like that, haven't you? You hear about Apple? Like if you would have put $1,000 into Apple computers when they were in the garage, and you just left it there, you'd be, well, rich would be, we 
are right now. Right. You'd have a lot of money. I don't, there's all kind of statistics that'll tell you how much you'd have and all these kind of things. But you know what they have in common? It's too late. They missed the boat. Home Depot's already too big. Apple, already too big. What do you think's going to happen when we get to heaven? When we get to heaven, faith will no longer be a thing. Faith is believing in God. We won't believe anymore because we'll see, we'll know. Your faith will end inside is what the Bible says, what what it teaches. And we'll be with Jesus. And I kind of wonder, this is not biblical, this is just my own little thought, if when we see Jesus and his power and majesty, if there will be a part of us that says, I could have stepped out more. I could, he was good to us. I could have believed him a little bit more. Like my dad about Home Depot, man, if I would have just known, I could have, I could have put a little bit in, and man, we would have seen all kind of returns. Don't you think that when you see Jesus face to face, I could, he was so good to us. I don't think there'll be anybody, anybody in heaven that says, I took that step of faith when you weren't there, Jesus. Do you? No. There'll be nobody that will be able to wave their finger in the, in the face of Jesus, saying it wasn't there. But I think there'll be a whole lot of us that says, mm, I could have taken that step. I could have taken a much bigger step. I could have done more. He would have used me. But it'll be too late. Can I give you the good news? You're not there. You're not in heaven right now. You're still breathing, which means God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. You don't have to think, I could have done it. You can think now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to believe him and do something I've never done before. And I'm scared. Is it okay to be scared? I think so. Believe anyway and keep on pushing. Keep on taking your steps. Believe God. I don't know what it is that God's dealing with each of us about, but I believe his Holy Spirit's dealing with us. Maybe there's someone here that says, Pastor, I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus the Savior. The truth is, you know how you get saved? By faith. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Your salvation is paramount. It is the most important thing. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, why don't you put your faith in him today? Don't leave here. Please, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you. Don't leave here without that without that knowledge, without knowing that you're saved. We've had people in our church who've come in and they were visiting and they got convicted by the Holy Spirit. They saw their need for Jesus as Savior and they put their faith in him and they got saved. We've had people in our church at Victory in in Loganville, home church, where people have come in and they've been living a lie. And you'd never know it, man. They're just so kind and loving and they serve and everything else. But later on they tell testimonies about how the pastor would give an invitation and they're all white-knuckled holding the pew or the chair in front of them and they know they're lost but they're scared to death of what everybody else will think about them and they finally, finally give up and give it to God and get saved. And nobody should be judging them. Everybody is rejoicing over their salvation. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're here and you say, I know I'm not saved. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've been living a lie. I don't think I've ever received Jesus. I've been a member here for years but I don't know him, but man, your pride is, is not worth worry praying. And anybody who would judge you for that, they've got bigger problems. 
because we'll rejoice. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, now is the time to know him. Now is the time to believe, put your faith in him as Savior. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. For my brother or sister here that's sitting here today and saying, I am saved, Pastor. What about me? I challenge you to step out more than you ever have by faith. Step out by faith. I give you my word. Once you take that step, he'll be there. He is not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you alone. Take that step. Believe God. We're going to pray, Pastor. Will you continue the service as we see fit? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to take these steps of faith. Lord, if there be anybody here this morning who is not saved, please help them to understand their need for a Savior. Help them to understand that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and that his sacrifice is sufficient to pay for their sins, to cleanse them of their sins, to forgive them of their sins. Help them to understand that even now. Use your word, use this message to convict and show them their need for a Savior, that they may be saved even this morning. Lord, I pray for my brother or sister in Christ who is saved but is is struggling with the idea of stepping out and doing something for you. Help us all, Lord, take greater steps of faith to believe you and step out. We don't know. We're scared. We're nervous. But we believe you. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Your head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around this morning. Maybe that's you. Brother Patrick came and talked about salvation, about faith. You thought to yourself, I know about God. I've heard about God. But to be honest, I know I'm not a Christian. Maybe you've made decisions. Maybe you've prayed prayers. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've joined a church. Maybe your family is, but you know in your heart of hearts, if you were to die today, you would not go to heaven. But you want to. There's a problem we all have. It's called sin. We're all born with it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but there's a promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, dear friend, we all have a, pro- all have a problem, but we all have a promise. And if you'll believe in Jesus Christ who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man come to the Father but by me. You place your faith in him. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you place your faith in him by faith, the Bible says, you shall be saved. You'll be saved today. Preacher, I know I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you. Is there anybody like that would raise their hand and say, preacher, that's me. I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all? There's a time when everybody in this room was there. <laughs> we were sinners. We realized we needed a Savior, and we asked Jesus to save us. Is, it, is that day your day? Today, is that day today for you? I need to be saved, preacher. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? I could pray for you. Anybody at all? Would you raise your hand? I am saved, preacher, but there's some areas in my life I need to step out on faith. Maybe just living for Christ. Maybe there's a particular sin that you're struggling with. Maybe it's faith promise, giving, or just even tithing. That's the start. Just giving some of your income to, to God because we all struggle with it. 
The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You struggle with just giving part of what you have. You struggle to make it, and giving part of what you get is difficult, but God commands it. And then faith promises beyond that, but God desires for you to give so that folks can be saved. Maybe it's faith promise. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some other issue in your life, but maybe you say, preacher, today I'm struggling with an area in my life. I'm lacking faith, faith to do what I know God wants for me to do. Would you pray for me, anybody at all today? Say, I'm struggling with faith, an area of faith in my life, to do what God wants me to do. Maybe it's witnessing, witnessing that person across the street, lost father, mother, brother, cousin, aunt, uncle. I'm struggling with faith to witness to that person. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that today? I could pray for. Let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to your heart, would you come this morning as the, as the piano plays and God speaks to your heart? If you're here today and you're, you don't know you're saved, would you come? Brother Clayton would take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. My wife, if you're a lady, would take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. If you're struggling, struggling Christian with an area in your life, would you come and ask God to help you? The salvation of a soul or giving towards something, whatever the need, would you come and ask God to help you today? To take that step of faith. Would you take that step? Step out of your seat. Step into the aisle, come to this old altar and lay it down. Say, Lord, help me today to take a step of faith, to believe, to trust. I can't see it. No, you can't see it. That's why it's faith. Whatever the Lord's calling you to do, would you do it? Would you listen to the Holy Spirit of God?